Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, I want to start out with something brand new. You've seen the images, you've seen uh, our Facebook posts, you've seen the, the, the messages we've seen you. But we want to start a brand new sermon series called Fearless this morning. Fearless. Now I love that theme. I love that theme. Why? Because all of us wants to be fearless. All of us want to be fearless. Now, I don't know about you, but so many of us, all of us, somewhere along our lives have struggled with a fearful moment. Have you been struggling with a fearful moment? Maybe not now, but all through your life, you can show moments in your life that say, oh, at that moment, I was fearful. <laughs> I struggled with this and that and there. I mean, we all have that moment. You see, maybe you had a fear of big dogs, or maybe you had a fear um, for the ocean when you were small, or a fear of heights even now. But all of us have that moments and that fearful moments that we had to step into in our lives. We all do. Now, I remember the story of this five-year-old boy <clears throat> who joined his mother in the kitchen. <laughs> and his mother asked him, son, would you quickly give me a can of uh, tomato soup in the pantry? But the pantry in the house was underneath the kitchen, almost in the basement. Yeah, There's a door in the kitchen. You go down the stairs and you, and you have to go and get whatever you want in the pantry. And the boy was very fearful because it was dark down there. And he said to his mother, Mother, do I really have to go? It's dark down there. I don't want to go there alone. And his mom actually thought about it and he says, You know, don't worry. Jesus will be in there with you. And he thought, okay. And he walked. And as he opened that door and he saw the darkness and the steps going down into the darkness, man, he changed his mind. And as he was closing the door, he had a, he had a thought. And he opened the door again and he shouted, Hey, Jesus, if you're in there... Won't you hand me the cup of tomato soup? <laughs> and then sometimes we, we laugh at it today, but in that moment, fear is real. It is real to a child. Now, we all have stories we share all through our lives of that fearful moments that we had. And we laugh together and it's fun. But when you're in it, when you're in it, when you're facing it at that moment, it is not, not so funny. It is real. Now, statistics have shown that 30 years ago, children, the greatest fears for children was the following. Five things. Number one, animals. Number two, a dark room. Number three, high places or heights. Number four, strangers. And number five, loud noises. That was 30 years ago on this research. And then they say today kids are afraid of the following. Number one is divorce. Number two is nuclear war. Number four, <coughs> sorry, is cancer. Number four, uh, sorry, number, number, yeah, some, number three, cancer, number four, pollution, and number five, being mugged. All legit fears. But when I read this research, I realized it was research done in 1990, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. So, or 20, yeah, 30 years ago. So how does this change today? It must have changed just even in the last 10 months what are children and even adults are fearing today? You see, today, maybe it's, it's getting infected by COVID. It's probably the greatest fear. Or maybe losing a family member because of it. Or maybe for our children, is the fear of just giving someone a hug. Did you realize that? Or maybe touching something 
that was not sanitized. I mean, if you would tell people 30 years ago what children or people are fearing today, they would laugh at you. But it's a reality. And it's what we face today. Now see, no matter <coughs> if you are conscious about your fear or not, fear still plays a role in our lives every day and every week. We have to fight it. We have to stand against it. It is, it is a reality in our lives. Now every one of us, a child or an adult, have a fear or maybe let's see, have a giant that they have to face on a weekly or a monthly or even on a daily basis some days. Now if you've noticed that, if you read the Bible and you notice in the Bible, every time the Bible speaks about a giant, there was fear involved. People were tremendously gripped by fear. Go and read it. Now, so many times in our lives when we are gripped by fear, it's almost like facing a giant. It's almost like facing something that you don't know, am I going to conquer this thing or not? It is so overwhelming. Now before I dive into the word today, um, let me start with a question. I want you to be honest because there's nobody around you. It's just you in your living room or you in a family or, or you alone in the bed or wherever you are at this morning. I want you to be honest with yourself. And here's the question. What is your giant right at this moment? What is your giant that you have to face right now? You see, we're facing real challenges during this last year, this last 10 months to, to 10 to 14 months. And many of us face real fearful, faced real fearful situations. But how does that giant in your life look at this moment? What is the giant you have to face right now at this moment, in this time? Now, the title of our series is Fearless, as I said. I love that, that word, fearless. Fearless. Now, if you define the word fearless, it is actually quite easy. It says, being without fear. <laughs> being without fear. I mean, don't we all want to go through life without fear? It would be so much easier. But this, if you go to the word fearless, and you look at the synonyms of the word fearless, it is the following. It is to be bold. It's to be bold. Number two, it's to be brave. Number three, it's to be heroic in everything you do. But then there's one that I love. It is called to be, to have a lion heart. To have a lion heart. Isn't that amazing? I love that. I don't know about you, but I have never seen a fearful lion in the wild. Never. And I've seen some of them. I stood between uh, me and a lion with a, a, a fence between us. And the lion growling at me. Man, that, that growl went through me and the fear was intense. Now, I, below, I, I promise you, when you walk into a lion at the bushfield, the lion will not be the one that is fearful. <laughs> Let's be honest, because he's got a lion heart. Now, if you look at um, some, some references and you look at big cat trainers, guys in circuses who trained lions for a life, they say the following. It says, they say that the adult lion is aware of its strength constantly. Constantly aware of its strength. And it says there is no other big land predator that can face danger like a lion. No other. Not even an elephant. Not even a buffalo can face danger like a lion. Because a lion know its strength. It, it, they know their strength. Now there's an Old Testament story of Daniel's friends. Remember the book of Daniel? Daniel had three friends, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
and these three friends were thrown into a fiery fiery furnace, <laughs> a fiery furnace, for refusing to bow down to a statue of the king. Refusing, we all know the story. Now, the rest of the people in the country, they were too fearful not to bow and lose their life. But these three Hebrew boys were so fearless in the face of death that says, I'll rather serve my God than anyone else. They were fearless. See, the king, his governors, his counselors, all of them witnessed three Hebrew boys walking out of a furnace, burning furnace, not smelling of fire, not having a scorch of burn on them. They were witnesses to that. You see, they walked out of that furnace without a single mark on them. Now in week three of this series, I'm going to touch more on about this story um, again, but I want to start with this image today. This image. Just imagine the picture of the king and all these most important men standing, facing these three Hebrew boys. Firstly, saw four people in the furnace, Jesus with them, and then three of them walking out unharmed, completely unharmed. Now that's the picture for me and you today. That's our picture that I want you to imagine today that, that no matter what you challenge, no way you face, we are walking out of it unharmed because Jesus are in there with us. You see, in Christ, we are in Christ. You know that? We are in Christ. But see, in Christ, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are in Christ, in this world, but not of this world. You see, the same Jesus who stood with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same Jesus who stands with you and me today in every challenge, in every tough spot, in everything you have to face. He is with us, no matter how hot the circumstances get. Now, like a lion, these three men, they knew their true strength in Christ. And they became fearless in a fearful moment. Fearless in a fearful moment. I want you to write this following down. There's going to be a tagline for our sermon series. And I want you to remember this and write it down somewhere. And it's the following. Once we become fearless, life becomes limitless. Once we become fearless, life becomes limitless. Wouldn't it be nice to live a life that's limitless? It would be. But if you realize how much fear keeps us back, from doing what God has called us to do or chasing after the dream or pursuing the promises, we would be shocked. So let me say it again. Once we become fearless, life becomes limitless. I want to look at one of the most oldest stories, or well, most well-known stories in the Bible, and it's the story of David and Goliath. And it's like, ah, oh, Henny, come on, man, please. I've, I've read that story to my children so many times. I've heard that story so many times, but... There's so much detail that we haven't seen that we can use for this topic today. Now, I want to hope you're blessed today as we go through this. And I'm going to look at a story of a 15-year-old boy defeating a warring giant, a giant of war, a Philistine hero. Now, some manuscript says that David was 12 years old, and, and, and some say 17, and some say this, and but... Most of the historic transcript says 15. So let's go with 15 years of old. I mean, 15 is not old. 
Some of you have 15-year-old boys and you know their capability. And here David comes and he defeats a giant, a warfaring giant, of a hero who grew up in war. Now let me paint a picture for us and, and show you a couple of details that I know that will bless you today. Now, David's brothers were fighting in the Israel army. We all know that. It's part of the story. And, and they were under the leadership of King Saul. And they were fighting against the Philistine army. Now, the Philistines were a seafaring nation. They were the Vikings of that, that, that era. They were brilliant at war. They were brilliant at war. They, they fought on the sea and they came from the sea into the land and, and divide and conquer. And that's how they, they, they were so good. Now, now, Israel's biggest cities, including Jerusalem, <laughs> were all in a mountain district. All in mountain districts. Now, for a, for, for a nation to invade Israel, they had to conquer Jerusalem. But to get to Jerusalem, they had to conquer the cities in the hill or in the mountain districts. And, and there where the mountain districts ended, there was a valley called the Shepalah, or the Elah, as some of the Hebrews call it. If you've been to Jerusalem, you probably have been to that valley. And that's a valley filled with vineyards and oak forests and beautiful that runs with hills into the sea. Now, I want to pick it up and I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 17 today. And I want you to open your Bible. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. There will be one scripture out of the message. But everything will be out of 1 Samuel 17 verse 3. So I want you to go there in your Bibles. Open your Bible to 1 Samuel and we're going to look at it together this morning. And I pray that God will open something for you this morning. Now I want to start out with 1 Samuel 17 verse 3. It says the following. Now remember the story that I just told. So let, let me just say one more thing. When King Saul heard that the Philistines breached his beaches, he immediately took his armies and he positioned himself on the slopes of the mountain district overlooking the valley of the Shepalah the best place to do war from. So they could see the Philistines come in. They had, a, they had a higher position for war. It was just perfect for them. So listen to this. Verse 3. It says, So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them, the Shepalah Valley between them. So here we have two armies with soldiers on two hills facing each other. One army wanting to evade, invade this nation with other army wanting to protect their land with their life. Now in the times of war in those times, they had a custom. And the custom was something that we've probably seen in movies. Now let's, let's read it. Let's go to verse 4 to 11. I'm going to read from the message translation. And I've, I've changed the, um, the pounds and the cubits a bit to meters and, and kilograms so we can understand it. It will be on here on the screen. So let's read it with me. Verse 4 to 11, 1 Samuel 17. It says, A giant nearly three meters tall stepped out from a Philistine line into the open. Goliath from Goth was his name. He, he had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 56 kilograms of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. <laughs> like a fence rail. Uh, the spear tip alone weighed seven kilograms. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. So very important. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. We'll get to that later. 
Goliath stood there and called out to the Israel troops, Why bother using your whole army? I am, not, am I not a Philistine enough for you? And you're not committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and put him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel today or this day, give me a man. Let us fight it out together. When Saul and his troops heard the, Philistine challenge, um, the Philistines challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Awesome story. But I promise you the words that Goliath used was not as nice as the scripture <laughs> depicts it to be. He was cursing and shouting and, and, and I mean he was degrading Israel as a nation. And suddenly fear arose in their hearts and they ran away. They, I, mean, I love what the scripture says. They lost all hope. Where, there's, where you're in a place of hope, there's no faith. There's no faith. Now this was the custom. That one army will send their best euro out and the other army will send their best euro out. And without losing thousands of lives, two men will battle it out. To win the nation or to invade or to protect the nation or to invade the nation. Now the whole of Israel's army was with its men. Every man in that army was fearful. They were filled with fear to such a degree that they ran back to their tents. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean this is unheard of that not one man in that whole army was brave enough to take the giant on. Not one man. Now you can say, Henny, but yeah, I mean, this is a giant. This guy was three meters tall. He wouldn't be able to fit in any door. He's massive. He's big. He's strong. Who would want to fight a guy like this? But see, the king was so fearful that he didn't even want to fight Goliath. And usually it's the king who was the, the, the strongest warrior. But the king Saul came and he offered his daughter. He offered riches above every one man's riches and he, he, he offered the highest ranking in the army to that man who would could defeat the giant now this picture that we see the men came up they pulled together they were about to to fight war against each other Goliath came out he shouted at the Israelites they ran away now this continued for 40 days 40 days think about it Day one, you're fearful. You run away. How fearful will you be by day 20? How fearful will you be by day 30 or 40? These guys were shivering of fear. They were, oh, not shivering, they were shaking with fear. <laughs> now, let's read on. I will almost say, if you go to verse 16, Meanwhile at the ranch. Remember that? Meanwhile at the ranch. This is what happened to David. Verse 17 in 1 Samuel 17. It says, One day, Jesse said to David, take this, uh, take this of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to the captains. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report of how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and Israel's army at the valley of Elah or Shepala fighting against the Philistine. So David left the sheep with another shepherd 
It's amazing how you give over responsibility. Isn't that amazing? You just don't just leave your responsibility. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as, Je uh, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelites' army was leaving for the battlefield with the shouts and battle cries. So here we go again. Probably day 41. Uh, go to the battlefield again. Um, battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other against uh, army against army. David left his brothers. <coughs> so David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks and greeted his brothers. As he was taking, talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the armies of Israel. And as soon as the Israel, Israelite army saw him, well, David standing there, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Think of this picture. This is where it gets interesting. David saw his brothers. I mean, he's a young man. He loves war. He loves fighting. He loves, I mean, he ran out to meet them and he's going to look at this battle. Man, he's excited. Suddenly this giant comes out, he started shouting, and the men David looks up to start running away in fear. <laughs> David witnessed all this. Now look at his reaction. Look at his reaction in verse 26. Now listen, this is a 15-year-old boy. Look at his reaction, verse 26. Verse 26 says the following. Then David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? What will a man get? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowing to defy the armies of the living God? <laughs> a 15-year-old boy. See, David couldn't believe what he was seeing and hearing. I mean, his brothers was probably his, his heroes. His, his older brothers. The men in the army. I mean, David probably dreaming to be part of that army. And suddenly the men he was looking up to ran away after a giant started shouting at them. Now see, the Israel army, King Saul included, were paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed. They were blinded by fear so much that, even, that they even doubted their own strength and ability in that moment. After 40 days, you start doubting everything when you give fear a chance. Now if you believe... Um, so, sorry, if we as believers give fear any chance in our lives, it can paralyze our faith and our belief in God's ability through us. It does. If you've been in a fearful, fearful moment, so many of us struggle to think, okay, God has, God is, I mean, I've got strength in God. No, no. Sometimes you have to have someone who can stand next to you and say, hey, wake up. What are you thinking? Why are you so fearful? But fear, fear can paralyze you from knowing your ability as a son of God. You see, fear makes irrational things rational. <laughs> Do you notice that? Fear makes irrational things rational. Let me give you an example. In 1975, the year I was born, now you all know how old I am, but that's okay. <laughs> In 1975, the guy called Steven Spielberg, we all know that, one of the best movie makers of our era, made his first blockbuster movie called Jaws. And listen to what the historians wrote about this movie. You will see the image. 
30 years ago, in the summer of 1975, Jaws had moviegoers paralyzed by fear. The story about a giant great white shark that terrorizes a seaside community tapped into the most primal of human fears. What unseen, creatures lurk, what unseen creatures lurk below the ocean surface? Millions of beachgoers, literally millions, heeded this advice of the movie tagline, don't go into the water. They fought into theaters instead and Jaws became the biggest box office hit to date. Or probably not today to date, but in that time when they, when they wrote this. Now before this movie, nobody really cared or worried about sharks when I go to the beach or swim in the waves or enjoy holiday. Nobody until the movie came out. But see, as when the movie came out, this one movie created a worldwide fear, a shark phobia, a phobia. A shark phobia that was so severe that people started killing sharks left, right and centers for the next five years after the movie came out. So much so that, that people had to ban or restrict the killing of sharks. Because it was, it was, they were fearing that the sharks will not be anymore and they have primal part of the oceans like a lion and, and predators are for the bushville or the ecosystem. Yeah. Now fear has the, the ability to, to unrealistically blow up a picture and change the way we think. Did you know that? When you're fearing something and it gets so real to you that it blows up that picture that suddenly you don't want to do it anymore. Now that's exactly what happened to Israel's army. That's exactly what happened to the heroes of Israel, the army of Israel, the heroes David looked up to. Now I want to look at this and I want to look at this picture and I want to look at three things this morning as I'm, as I'm closing with the three things. Look at three things that can happen when we let fear into our lives. When we give fear an opportunity to change our thinking. When we let fear come in when you're trying to accomplish something. And number one, fear will blind us to our reality. Fear, fear will blind you to your reality. Now when David saw what happened in front of him, he was probably more shocked. He was probably more shocked than, <clears throat> than mad. He couldn't believe his eyes. What, what just happened? His first reaction was the following. <laughs> and it's quite interesting. His first reaction, he says, what do a man get that beats the giant? That actually gets to kill them. What, what does a man get? Now, he, he continued to ask this question three times. Not just once. Three times. Why? Because the man who would beat the giant would marry the king's daughter. He would be so rich that him and his family would never, would never have to pay taxes ever again. He would get the biggest... Um, uh, what do you call it? You um, become general of generals. He would become the, uh, the, the, the king's son-in-law. I mean, that's quite a prize. And David said, I can't believe that no man would just step up and be willing to risk his life for a prize like that. Just from a worldly perspective. Now remember, David defeated Goliath with a slingshot. We all know the story. With a slingshot. <laughs> Now listen to this ridiculous thing. Did you know that Israel, the army of Israel, 
had a whole peloton with slingshot soldiers. And they say, and, and the historians wrote that every one of those slingshot officers was so good with the slingshot that they could kill a bird out of the air while flying. That's how good they were. But the fear they had blinded and paralyzed them. And it paralyzed their faith and their ability to such a degree that they didn't know that they actually had odds against the giant. Because they didn't have to come close to him. They could kill him with the slingshot. I mean, they could even send three of them. And I mean, but fear came into the picture and paralyzed their faith, blinded the reality that they can actually do this. Now, for 40 days, the Israel army didn't realize that Goliath was led onto the battlefield. Do you remember that piece in the scripture I said you need to remember? Goliath was led onto the battlefield by his armor bearer. Now there's a lot of conclusions you can draw onto that. Some historians wrote that Goliath, because of the height and the, because it was the giant day, most of them had eye problems. They couldn't see that well. So that he had to be led onto the battlefield to get his stance right before he starts fighting. Now, he had poor eyesight. And then with that, he was big and strong, but he was slow. He was slow. He couldn't move very quickly like a small little man could move. You know why I said that? He said to David, when David came to him, he said, Why do you come to me with sticks? Do you think I'm a dog to come with me with sticks? But actually, David was just, just had one staff with him. Just one stick. But he couldn't see that well. Now the Israel army didn't see this because they were, the, the fear killed their faith. Fear killed the reality, blinded them to the reality of what they saw every day. But see, only when our faith, when, only when our faith failed because of fear, every time our faith fails because of fear, after that we realize the true reality of that situation so many times in our lives. Maybe you feared something and you didn't know, I can't do this. I didn't. And then you do this and you don't have faith and you do it halfway. I mean, just you don't do it as good as you can. And afterwards you realize, oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I mean, there was, I, I actually grasped the reality of the, of the thing I feared. And it happens so many times with us. We can't let go of reality, but we need to look at reality through a lens of faith not fear. But when you get fear into your life, it will change the reality and blind you from having faith in every situation in your life. Number two, the second point we can learn from these men and from David is fear will kill our confidence. Fear will kill your confidence as a Christian, as a man, as a woman, as a father, as a mother, wherever and what situation you're in, it will kill your confidence. Now let's read verse 28. 1 Samuel 17 verse 28 says, But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He said, or he demanded. What about those few sheep you are supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. Now, I think he was right in a certain sense. David wanted to see the battle. He was a young kid. But David's older brother immediately lost his temper when he heard David spoke up against this giant. Why? 
You see, for 40 days, they've been looking and listening to this fearful situation. 40 days. And then when David came in, and he reacted fearless, immediately, he reacted fearless, he, and he showed the reality to all of them that missed it because of fear, his brother got mad. He lost his temper. You see, that's why we need community around us. That's why we need men and women around us to show us the reality every day when we are in a fearful situation. We need people around us that shows us like this is the objective picture of what you're fearing. And there's so many times in my life where I was fearful about a situation and I had friends around me or even my parents when I was younger that says, this is not that bad, man. Why are you fearful? And it actually gave me a reality, an objective viewpoint that helped me with my fear. You see, David's oldest brother at that stage was so unsure about his own ability because of this fear. Just like any other soldier and King Saul, that David's courage in that moment made them feel insecure. It made them feel insecure about himself. Made him feel insecure of who he is as an older brother. Now just think about it. Let's pause quickly here. David beat Goliath with the slingshot. It was probably his older brother who taught David how to use a slingshot. How to be good at it. It was his older brother. I remember when I was, I was um, in my first two or two years when I was started riding mountain bike in Potchefstroom. Now Potchefstroom is not Stellenbosch and there's no mountains or that. But in Potchefstroom we had a quarry that we used to, <clears throat> to do all single tracks. And, and there was, it was a big hole in the ground with jumps and all these fun things. But in that, and, and we had a little track that we built there about, uh, I think it was a six, seven hundred meter track. And it was our time trial track that we raced through every afternoon and we had fun and we'd see how good we get. But in that track there was a drop. Now there was a drop that it was about a two and a half meter drop into a hole with about four meters and then jumping out of the hole. But when you stand on top of that jump or that drop, it was quite fearful. Because it, it, it almost had a literally, it looked like a 90 degree drop off when, you, when you're standing. And it was, every time we got there, all of like five, six of our older men, we got there and we stopped. It's like, oh, I can't do it today. Maybe tomorrow. And fear grew through the, the weeks and weeks. And then none of us could do it. None of us could take that drop. And, and then one day, um, a couple of primary school boys came. They got new bikes and they heard about the quarry. And they met us there. And we said, hey, guys, we'll show you the, the lap. Um, and I just explained to them and they, there they went. They went off and they did the lap. And, and I forgot about this fearful drop. And as soon as they went, I was like, oh goodness, I need to run there and just stop them. Otherwise, they're going to race off there without knowing what they're facing. And as soon as I got there, I was too late. They already, they just went, saw the drop, went off through the hole, out on the other side. And they're smiling, yay, whoa. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, how did you do that? They said, oh, that was fun. You should try it. <laughs> I felt so ashamed. I felt so insecure at that moment that a 13, 12, 13-year-old 13 boy could come and show a 22, 23-year-old man how to ride his mountain bike. And the guy who made this track. You see, I was unclear about my ability because I was letting fear into my heart in that moment with that drop. 
And so many times in our lives we let fear in and without trying something, we fear it and we step back. You see, if you get to a place of being fearless, life becomes limitless. But we limit our lives because we fear things around us. Now after this, David's brother shouting at him and, and, and telling him a, a part of his mind, if you look at the Bible, after this moment, the Bible never spoke about David's brothers ever again. Not ever again after this. Now, I believe that if the oldest brothers set aside his pride and his fear in that moment, he probably would have stood in front of Goliath and not David. Because he was the oldest brother. But he didn't. And the Bible never spoke about him again. Now that's exactly what the enemy plans for us when we step into a place of fear. When we play and, play and entertain the fear he puts in front of us. See, he kills our confidence as sons of God. He kills our confidence in every moment, every challenge, every fearful moment. He kills our confidence so that we do nothing. How many times have I done nothing because I was fearful? Now, this is a saying in the world that says, the enemy will always advance because godly men and women keep on doing nothing. Or... The enemy will keep on advancing when godly men and women do nothing. God has called us to do something. To stand up against fear. To stand up in faith and face the enemy. And says no more. I will be fearless in this battle. Number three. Third point. Fear will steal your identity. Fear will steal your identity. Now the word about David sped very quickly in a, in a camp. The men started speaking and, and it, it was, everybody was speaking so much about it that it reached the king's quarters and King Saul called for David. And this is the first thing King Saul said in verse 33. 1 Samuel 17, 33. It says, don't be ridiculous, Saul said. Or Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine. And possibly win. You're only a boy and, and he has been a man of war since his youth. Isn't that amazing? Now you can test this. You can test this, I promise you. Whenever we will face a giant, a challenge, a fearful moment in our lives, there will always be someone behind you, next to you, around you, that will tell you, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. I promise you. See, if we read on, we will see how David persuaded the king that says, I can. But then Saul asked, okay, you can do it, but please at least wear my armor, Saul's armor. But because David was smaller than Saul, it didn't fit because he wasn't Saul. Saul wanted David to have his identity. But David said, sorry, I can't take your identity. I am who I am. I am who I am. You see, Saul was a huge man. He was massive. The Bible says if you go where Saul was crowned and how God found Saul and Samuel, Saul was bigger than any other man in his army. He was head and shoulders longer and bigger than any man in Israel. He was actually the guy supposed to fight Goliath, but he didn't. He had fear keeping him from it, from his defining moment. You see, he was a giant in his own right. Now, when we let fear in, the enemy will always tell you who you are not. You, you are not able. 
And it will steal your God-given identity in Him. That's what fear does. It blinds you of the reality. It steals your identity. It takes your confidence. It steals your identity in terms of what you can do and who you are. And I see David knew who he was in God. He knew it. He knew he was strong in the Lord. And he knew that his authority is in God as a son of God. And that's where his strength came from. Just like a lion. He knew his strength. He knew his strength. He didn't need someone to tell him he can or he can't. Because he knew God. He knew God. See, when David was ready to fight Goliath, he didn't walk onto the battlefield. But some translation says, and he ran towards his giant. He ran towards the giant onto the battlefield. He didn't wait. He didn't wonder about it. He took his slingshot and his staff and he ran towards his challenge and his fearful moment. See, it's when we stand back and look at our giant from afar that fear starts telling us who we are. That fear starts coming in and telling you, you can't do it. You're not able. This is not who you are. Just stay away. Let the other people do it. You can't do it. Don't look from afar. Run towards your giant and your giant will fall at your side. See, David's secret was the following. And I'm closing with this this morning. His secret was the following. It was intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. He had an intimate relationship with the Father. He knew his identity. He knew the reality of serving God. He had confidence in a God who is much bigger than any fearful situation or any, anything he would face in life. See, David knew God intimately. And when he met a giant in a cloud of fear, guess what? He immediately reacted in faith. He reacted in faith. You see, when we have a healthy fear of God, we will fear nothing on this earth. If we have a healthy fear of the Lord, a fear of God, now I'm not saying I'm fearing God, there's a healthy fear that we as Christians need to have for God in obedience and loving Him. And next week I'll speak about the power of love becoming fearless in that. But when we have a healthy fear in God, we, will have to, we don't have to fear anything in this life. See, this pandemic that we're facing right at the moment, it's a big giant. It's a big tough giant we have to face. A lot of us lost things. Fearful or not, we lost things. We lost family members. We lost loved ones. It's a real fear. It's a real danger. The darkness is real. The fire is real. The pandemic is real. But the truth of the matter is this. We will not react in faith if we keep on entertaining fear. If we keep on entertaining fear, we will not, we will not be able to stand in that place of faith. You see, if you want faith to pray for people for healing, you need to deal with the fear first. And if you deal with the fear, you will be able to stand up in faith and see a miracle. Stand up in faith and, and walk in your God-given identity as a son of God. It's a time for us now, for us Christians. It's time to take the word. And to take prayer and run towards our giant. No matter what you face today, no matter how big your challenge is, no matter how great the issues is you face, and fear is real. I want you to, to pull 
or, or to connect with community in times of fear. Connect with community where they can give you reality. They can help you with your confidence. They can sh show you and, and speak your identity over you as a son of God. But get you to a place of faith so that you can stand up and faith your giants and be fearless as God has called you to be fearless. Whenever you are fearless, life will become limitless. God has called you to be fearless. God has called us to be fearless in a time. I want to invite you this week to take the word and to read the word and start confessing the word of your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And then pray that word over your life, over your circumstances, over everything in your life that you're facing, every challenge, every giant. Speak to that giant and say, giant, you have no right here. But I am a son of God and my authority is much more than you. I want to invite you to stand up and see the change when you take faith on. God has created us with a lion heart to become fearless and to see things limitless, see life limitless. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to trust God that whatever you face this week or this time or, or how much you want to pray for people but, but you're so fearful what happens is not, if nothing happens. I want to pray that, that as God stirs your faith with the word, with a place of intimacy with Him, that your faith will grow and that fear will diminish. Are you ready? I want to pray for you this morning. Won't you put your hand on your heart? Maybe you want to stand on your knees with your arms up high. Maybe just take any posture that you want. But let's trust God today. Don't let just this just be another prayer or another end of a sermon. Make a decision today that I will be fearless in the face of anything. I will be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that walk up to a challenge and walk out of it unharmed. That's our prophetic word. That's the word that God has given us. God is able. And because He is able, we are able. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning that I can pray for everyone watching this live stream right now. Father, I thank you that I can come against every fearful moment, every sickness, every challenge, everything, every giant we face this morning. If it's COVID, whatever, Lord, your name is above every other name, every sickness, every giant, every fear. Your name is above it. And Father, I speak your name over every challenge that people are facing today. I thank you for breakthrough right now. Father, I thank you that you break the bond, the, the bonds of fear right now in people's lives and that you release the faith through your word this morning. I pray that you stir their hearts as they're listening to me right now, as they're pondering about the word. Father, I thank you that fear will not keep us back, but faith will advance us in this life. Lord, I pray your protection over everyone in our church. I pray your protection over them emotionally, healthy, physically, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for breakthrough right now. I want you, if you're struggling with anxiety or fear right now, as you're sitting there, why don't you just put your hand on your heart and your hand on your mind or your head and just, just receive this. Father, I pray that, that you touch them now with your peace. That your peace comes right now and that fear leaves. And if your peace comes, that they will see the possibility 
in you. Father, thank you for releasing every bit of fear, every bit of worry, every bit of anxiety, every bit of stress now in Jesus' name. And touch them, Holy Spirit. Change the situation. Shift the atmosphere right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.